Happy Easter to you. Man, if you would have told me a month ago that this is how we'd be experiencing Easter, sitting on our couches, in our pajamas, um, cup of coffee, connecting 100% online, I never would have believed you. But yet here we are. You know, I was thinking the other day, um, and I encourage you to do this, and I don't know, maybe some of you are. I have a journal that um, I would love to tell you that I use all the time, but I don't. I use it like uh, a couple times a month. But, but one of the things I've done in the last uh, couple weeks is begin just to, once a week, write down some of what's been going on with this COVID-19 crisis. And I encourage you to start writing some of this down. Get out a journal, start, start you know, typing up something that describes some of your experiences. What's going on in your life? What are you thinking? What are you experiencing? What are you feeling? And use as much detail as you can. And you're going to want to do that because one day um, we're going to sit down with our kids and you're going to sit down with your grandkids and they're going to need to know what happened in the spring of 2020. And they're not, they may not believe you if you just simply said, yeah, it happened. All right. It feel like, it'll feel like to them like that story that you and I are also uh, too familiar with um, where you, you know, maybe your grandparents or your parents said, oh, yeah, you know, back in my day, we had to walk to school barefoot in the snow, uphill both ways. Like where nobody believes that. Right. So instead, be sure that you tell them in detail what you experienced and what and how you experienced it so that when they hear it, they can believe it. When I was a kid, there was a cemetery by my house. Now, it was right next to a park that my dad would take me and my brother and sister to to hike around sometimes, but sometimes we'd spend time just walking through the cemetery. And I remember vividly, there was this old rusted out um, iron box, about four feet long and maybe two feet wide. And what was fascinating was that on top of this box was this iron dog, a statue of a dog. And it was, I think it was a Labrador, if I remember correctly. And I remember my brother and I would spend time making up ghost stories about how this dog at night would, would rise up off of this iron platform and, and glowing like, of course, only ghosts do. And, and he would step down off of that and, and wander the cemetery at night. And I remember, man, that we would freak ourselves out with that story. But, but we also would spend time as kids just walking around that cemetery. And, and I do this all sometimes with my own kids as well because there's something fascinating about cemeteries. And we would go and we would try to find the oldest headstones, right? The ones that had been weathered and, and look at them. And we would read the names and try to find the oldest birth date, right? Um, how old they were when they died. And we would be, imagine what their life was like and, and, and how they died. Right? And it was just fascinating for us to do that. There's something about cemeteries. And when I think back about those times, there are two things that I know for sure. One is that you and I, every single one of us, one day will be put into the ground. And perhaps one day somebody will walk by our grave and they'll wonder um, how we died and they'll read our name and, and they'll see when we were born and, and they'll be left to imagine what we believed and, 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 and how we died. The second thing I know is true, and, and I know this one's true because no one's ever seen or experienced this. I'm fairly certain that there's not one of us who will raise up out of our graves glowing like a ghost and wandering the cemetery at night. Now, Christians have believed for 2,000 years 
that Jesus, three days after he was executed, walked out of his grave alive. Now, there are many important questions that we need to answer in this life, questions that don't just beg an answer, but really compel us to have an answer for them. And I think this might be one of the most, if not the most important ones. What do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about Jesus? See, our answer to this question matters, and and it matters perhaps more than any, because we aren't left standing at a grave of Jesus where we're reading a headstone and just left to imagine. No, instead, those who were witnesses to his life and death, the bystanders who saw him alive, claim that you and I are standing at an empty grave. So perhaps our answer to this question matters most. See, there were four men who wrote narratives of Jesus's life, included in the New Testament of our Bible. And and they wrote these stories of Jesus's life, some out of their own eyewitness testimony because they were his closest friends and followers. Others, they will have spent time with and interviewed eyewitnesses to Jesus's life and death. And one of these men, his name is John. Now, John was just a a fisherman, really, and and when Jesus recruits him um, to drop his nets in the fishing boat and go and follow him, John does it. And John writes this story of Jesus' life based on his own experience walking with and following Jesus. In fact, John claims to have seen Jesus die, and then he has the audacity. He claims that he saw Jesus alive again. This is what John says in his narrative. I was there. I saw it. I was an eyewitness to what it is that I'm about to tell you. So let's go ahead and take a look at what John says. He says this right after in John chapter 19, he describes Jesus's crucifixion. This is what he says in verse 35. He says, the man who saw it has given testimony and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth. And he testifies so that you may also believe. Now, I don't know how you came to know Jesus or how it is that you uh, approach him or, or what it is that you believe about him. I think probably for some of us, um, we've always just believed. And we've really never questioned why it is we believe. We just kind of always have. Maybe for others, um, you've been actively following Jesus for a long time. You've been experiencing uh, life as you've grown to, to base your identity in him, as you've grown to be more and more like him. But for others, maybe, maybe you believe just because at some point in your life, someone told you you should because that's the way to get to heaven. And so for some of us, you know, we, we follow Jesus or we believe in him because it's kind of like a life insurance policy. It's a safety net because you want to go to heaven. Now, for others of us, maybe we've believed something. We believe something about Jesus, but kind of the details um, and the issue of the resurrection has kind of been pushed out of our minds. And so we've approached Jesus often like we do maybe our favorite actor, right, who's been caught up in a scandal. Like, you really, you really don't know, but you, you want to enjoy his movies. And so anything of controversy, you just kind of push out of your mind. Maybe you're skeptical. Maybe you don't even know what to believe about Jesus, but you're pretty sure you don't believe that he rose from the dead. And and considering all of the reasons why some people do that I just mentioned, I don't blame you. 
You see, if John were trying to convince us of a story, if he were trying to concoct a story that he knew wasn't true, none of the writers of the narrative of Jesus' life did so in a way that you and I would expect. First of all, these bystanders include details in their story that don't seem to move the story along. They share these details that just don't seem to help us understand what the point is. I remember summers sitting around a campfire when my kids were a little bit younger in our backyard on on a cool summer night, and we would get into this thing where we would start making up ghost stories, and and my kids would make up these stories, and they would add all of these crazy, fantastic details to the story, and every time they added this detail, it just further proved that what they were saying was complete fiction. I don't know if your kids do this. They're ter- kids are terrible storytellers, right? Because they add all these insignificant details. And then I remember that my kids would even tell it in this tone. They had this look on their face, but also this tone in their voice that they knew they didn't even believe what it is that they were telling us, right? And that seems to be what we get from John and, any, and, and even from the others. We get these details that just don't seem to move the story along. At one point, John mentions that there's this sign that is nailed above the cross, above Jesus' head, and it says, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And he mentions to us that, oh, by the way, it was written in three languages, in Aramaic, in, in Latin, and in Greek. He, he goes on to say that the soldiers that crucified Jesus take his clothes and they play some dice game in order to see who could win this prize uh, uh, of this man who was being executed. John even tells us that Jesus at one point from the cross looks down at John because he was there. And John tells us, Jesus says to him, hey, when I'm gone, would you be sure to take care of my mother? John also includes these, these phrases. Some of them Jesus says that seem to be, okay, so why are you telling us this? Jesus, at one point, John says, looks down from the cross and he says, I'm thirsty. And then John tells us that after Jesus died, he gives us by name these two Jewish religious leaders who come and ask for permission to take Jesus's body down off the cross and prepare it for burial. Like this is what John tells us in chapter 19, starting in verse 40. Taking Jesus's body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Man, John gives us these details about gardens and, and burial customs and Jewish holy days. And it's almost like, what's the point, John? What are you trying to tell us? And here's the thing. The only time that details matter is if you claimed to experience it yourself. Here's something else. These bystanders paint themselves as doubters. Because here's what John and the other writers of, of Jesus' narratives tell us. That they didn't believe he was going to rise from the dead. No one that Jesus knew believed that he was actually going to come back. In fact, John tells us, that, and, and others tell us, that, that after Jesus' arrest and crucifixion, they all ran and hid. Like they ran and hid from the Jewish and Roman authorities. No one was at the tomb come Sunday morning waiting for Jesus to walk out. Now, John tells us that, that there were some women who went to the tomb, but they were only going there with burial spices and other things to further perform Jewish burial customs. 
because they thought Jesus was dead. And it seems that if, if these guys were making up a story that they wanted you and I to believe, that, that Jesus' closest allies, his friends, would have painted themselves as these heroes kind of of the faith, where they're anxiously awaiting at the tomb Sunday morning because they know that their master and Messiah is going to walk out. But no one was there. And they tell us this. They didn't believe he was going to walk out of the grave. He was dead, and everyone who knew and loved him believed he was going to stay that way. You see, no one trying to convince you that something is true says that they don't think it's true themselves. No one trying to convince you of something admits that they don't think it's true. That is unless they too were surprised by the event that they soon would be witness to. Jesus was going to walk out of his grave very much alive. If you believe that Jesus rose from the grave, I believe that, and so have millions of Christians who have come through the ages before me. Or maybe you're skeptical and you're not sure what to believe. Keep this in mind. Jesus' first followers, his resurrection was far more unbelievable for them than it is even for you and me today. See, these bystanders admit that their story is unbelievable. They admit that their story is unbelievable. Thomas, one of Jesus' disciples, he, um, when Jesus first appeared, he, he was not with the others. And so now he is, and, and, and the others are telling Thomas that Jesus is alive. We've seen him, and he still won't believe it. And look what John tells us in John chapter 20. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And at that point, Jesus is going to pivot. Now he's talking to the men, to his disciples who are in the room, but then he's going to turn and he's going to talk down through the centuries to come to every man, to every woman, to every teenager, every child, every skeptic, every, every wandering follower, every believer. He's going to talk to everybody down through the ages to come when he says this in verse 29. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So he looks at Thomas and he says, so you can see me now alive and I'm going to bless you because of your faith. And he looks at John and he says, you believe in me, John, because you saw me crucified. You saw them put me in the tomb and now you see me very much alive again. But listen to this. Then Jesus says, but more blessed, like more blessed will be all of those down through the ages who will put their faith, their trust in me, not because of what they were eyewitness to, but because of what you saw and wrote down for them. This story that we are now reading today. Listen to what John says in chapter 20, verse 30. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. See, here's John's point. Jesus' resurrection brings new life to everyone. 
See, Jesus promised that in him, you and I would have and find the fullest, most abundant version of life possible. Not only that, because of our faith, because of our hope, we will one day have eternal life with our Heavenly Father. Listen, guys, God loves you. And I don't know if you believe that or not, but he loves you. He's crazy about you. In fact, whether you believe this or not, he has never looked at your life and ever thought had one bad thought about you. He has never once been disappointed in you. He's only been waiting for you and I to trust. He's been waiting for you and I to put our trust in him so that in this new, real, lasting life he offers us, he can redeem everything. He can take everything you and I have ever been through and make it new and breathe new life into it. He can take everything you and I have ever done and he can redeem it and breathe new life into it. Every disappointment, every hurt, every struggle that you and I have had in this life, he can take it and he can redeem it and he can breathe new life into it. Every struggle for identity, every time you and I have tried to carve out what is our purpose, why am I waking up in the morning, what am I doing here, he can take that and he can breathe new life into it. Every freedom we've thought we could find through a relationship or or through a career path or through the accumulation of stuff, Jesus says, I can redeem it and I can take that and I can breathe new life into it. Every season, like the one that we're in now, that's just filled with such uncertainty and and unsettledness and fear. Jesus says, I can redeem it and I can offer you new life out of it. Jesus's resurrection brings new life to everyone. And it proves that he was telling us the truth when he said, in him, we have the fullest version of life. So perhaps our answer to this question really is the most important question. What do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about Jesus? Well, today we want to ask you to respond because here's the truth for all of us. It's in our response, not just in our thinking about that question, though we do need to ponder it. We must because we stand at an empty grave. At least that's what the people, the bystanders, the eyewitnesses told us. So maybe, so, so maybe it's not just in our pondering, but truly in our response is where we find this new life that John writes about, which Jesus offers us. So I want you to do something. I want you to take out your phone. I want you to take out your phone. I want you to bring up a new text message and I want you to text the number that's appearing now on your screen. Just to type that number in, go ahead and do that, and I'll share with you how we're going to offer responses for us today. See, for some of us, maybe you've been skeptical. Maybe you've never really thought of the resurrection as something that was real. It was more fairy tale. You're not sure that, that you've believed it, but maybe there's something that's just like stirring in your heart right now that tells you that perhaps Jesus is worthy of your trust. Maybe these things that we've read about him really are true. And if that's you, if if you just say, I I do need God's love just to uh, renew my life, to make me new, then I want you to type in the word begin. Begin. Just text that word to that number. And when you're doing that, here's what you're saying. I'm ready to begin. 
So tell me more. I'm ready to begin this journey with Jesus, but I'd like to know more. So text the word begin. Now, maybe for others, it goes like this. Maybe we've wandered. Yeah, maybe Jesus at one point was part of our tradition and even part of our belief system, but somewhere along the way, we got distracted. Somewhere along the way, we realized that though he was part of our heritage, he really wasn't the focal point of our hearts. And you need his love to bring um, renewed life that only he can bring to you. And if that's you, I want to ask you this to, re, to, to text the word restart. Text that word restart. And by doing that, you're saying, I've been stuck and away and, and I'm ready to restart. I'm ready to restart my relationship with God. Now, maybe for some of us, Maybe you've been following Jesus, and and though you've not been perfect by any means, you've been experiencing this full life that God has offered you, and yet you've wondered what's next. Like, what is God just calling out of me next? And if that's you, I want to tell you right now to text the word ALIVE. Go ahead and type that in. The word is ALIVE. And by doing that, you're saying, I'm fully alive, but I'm ready for more. I'm fully alive, but I'm ready for more. And as you contemplate that and, and, and you respond with that next step today, um, you're going to get receive a link back and you can fill that out and, and we'll connect with you here in just a few days. But here's the thing. It's in our responses that we discover full and real and lasting life. Begin. I, I, I'm ready to begin this conversation about what new life looks like in Jesus. Restart. I've been away. I've been stuck. I've been wandering. And I'm ready to rekindle this love of Jesus. Or alive. I've been following him. I've been experiencing full life. But I know that he's calling me to something more. What's next? Here's the thing. We have this opportunity today to experience a new, lasting, real life through Jesus. This is the most important invitation you and I will ever receive. And as I was thinking about it this week, this is what I would love to see about this Easter. This is what I would love to see about Easter of April 2020. My prayer is that this is the Easter. This is the Easter that we share and tell others about. This is the time that when we tell our story, We tell about this day. We share the details and the experiences about this day when our lives were changed.